0: amen that's good take your bible and turn with me if you would please to first kings chapter 18 in your bible first kings chapter 18 i want to uh talk to you about a very pertinent subject this evening Uh, i want to just explain a little history of where we've been and what god has accomplished because i believe that our church is at another crossroads What I mean by that is we need buildings again. That necessitates building. That necessitates money. And that necessitates also things that money cannot buy. For instance, we do not need money in our church. We need commitment from those who are a part of this church. Commitment, if you please, and devotion, loyalty, and love. But most of all, what we need tonight is faith 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 for a crossroads I believe that's what we need tonight I want to tell you something 2.4 million dollars is not chicken feed now that's a lot of dinero señor. if you don't understand Spanish I don't either but that's a lot of scratch where my chickens are living and that's a ton of money but I can remember 26 years ago when I went to the bank and borrowed $220,000 and that was just as scary just as huge because we were doing it with a lot less people and a lot less financial base and there's something I'd like to share with you we have never borrowed on prospective income if we could not pay the bill, then we did not borrow. That's a good practice. You don't borrow, as they would say in Las Vegas. You don't bet on the come. I don't know what that means. I just read it one time. I'm looking at you faces to see if you know what it means. And I can tell you where you spent your vacation. <laughs> You don't borrow on hopeful future increase. You don't do that. We don't do that. We've never done that. Thereby, we could always pay regardless of whether we had an increase or not. Because when we moved in, before we moved in this building, we paid this payment in the little building for a year and a half. And our payment jumped $3,000 a week. And we kept paying it down there. Now if we had, bought, if we had borrowed on prospective growth, we would have lost everything. Because you never know what God is going to do. You remember God sent a real test to our church not many months after we was in this building. I think maybe we got a little proud and arrogant that we were running almost a 1,000 in this place and just do anything and we could get 900 or 1,000. Brother Jim was averaging over 700. I think maybe we got a little self-confident and God sent a little problem along that has taken us 10 years to outlive. We're just now outliving it. We just kept doing what was faithful. Doing what God said, putting up with the ridicule, putting up with the snares, and just kept going. Amen. And ten years later, we need to build again at a crossroads. I want to read for you the story somewhat of Elijah and Ahab. Just a little excerpts, And then I want to talk to you about a verse that God is speaking to my heart about as we enter this very, very important time of our church. Now, many of you are having questions, and I just want to answer some of those questions tonight. And uh, you you might be wondering, how are you going to pay for this $2.4 million worth of church bonds the same way we're paying them right now, once a week, every week? the first thing that comes out of all the monies of this place secures your investment in our church. I don't know how many of you bought bonds in the first, second, third, or fourth issue. I wonder, is there anybody disappointed in the way the bonds paid? Of course not. Because they paid promptly on time. Could have an amen, you folks who bought bonds. Have you made a better investment in the last 15 years than you made purchasing Joshua Baptist church bonds? Have you made an investment that paid as much and as regular and as faithful as those church bonds have? Nothing. Nothing. How would you like to have some of the money that you've lost in the stock market invested at eight and a half percent compound interest for 15 years? Just asking. And so I'm just going to answer a few questions tonight. Talk to you about the history of our church. Talk to you about scary moments. Talk to you about how easy it is to step out by faith. And you look and you see everything we got. And uh, you you say, well... Uh, uh, anybody could have done that. No, it took God to do it. Anybody could Amen. not do it. Nobody has done it. He has done it lock, stock, and barrel. Amen. Even as smart as the staff I have, such as Brother Pickett and Brother Jim, as smart as my staff has been, <laughs> what are you guys shaking your heads for? <laughs> Even as good a financial secretaries that I have, my wife and Miss Mary... And, of course, Brother Archer, who's always there to make up any financial need that we need, that we have to make up. <laughs> no man has built this church. God has built this church. Amen. To Him be glory. I'm just glad I'm on the ride. Amen. And just glad I'm enjoying the trip. Now, my wife and I, we were broke when we started this church. 26 weeks later, we are still broke. It's just we're bigger broke than we were back in those days. The best thing my wife and I have done financially is to borrow money from the bank and buy our church bonds. You say, well, it's not a very smart thing to do. It is now. It wasn't then. If I borrowed money from the bank and paid my church bonds off, Only thing that became was a forced savings that forced me to put money away that I would not ordinarily have done. You say, well, you paid more interest at the bank for three years. Fourth year, I didn't pay any interest. Fifth year, I didn't pay any interest. The 10th year, I didn't pay any interest. When do you think I'm going to catch up? 15th year, I haven't paid any interest. You're welcome. One man invested $33,000 in our church 14 years ago. We owe him 100000 Pretty good investment? Guaranteed by the properties of your church. We're going to issue $2.4 million worth of bonds. This building is worth $5 million, And this building guarantees your investment. That's better than if DIC or BIAMA or whatever else is guaranteeing your investment. So I want to read you just a few verses. I don't want to bore you. Not only that, I don't want to keep you past what time the World Series is over. And beyond that, I don't care. First 1, chapter 18. And it came to pass, this is 1 Kings, chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. And there was a sore famine in the Samaria. Three and a half years it has not rained in Samaria. Three and a half years ago, Elijah prayed and God shut up heaven and it did not rain because of the wickedness of Ahab, Jezebel and Israel God has judged them and has used Elijah the prophet of God to bear the tidings and Elijah was a such man such as passion such as you and I according to the Bible but he prayed and it did not rain for three years and six months then he prayed and it rained again Now, God has told Elijah to go show yourself to Ahab and challenge him. Verse 17. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel. Unto Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal. Four hundred and fifty. And the prophets of the groves. Four hundred. Which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the children of Israel. Gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah said unto all the people. And said how long halt ye Between two opinions. If the Lord be God follow him. But if Baal then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people. I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets and the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 (coughs) men. Now here he challenged them. Now notice. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces <coughs> and lay it on the wood. Put no far under. I will dress the other bullock and lay it on an altar and put no far under. And call ye upon the name of your gods and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. (laughs) Pardon me. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said, unto the prophets of Baal choose you one. And they chose one. (laughs) They're sacrificed on the altar. 850 prophets, false prophets, begin to pray. <laughs> Message, Andrew. <laughs> got their sacrifice, cut it in pieces, laid in the altar and began to pray and ask their gods to send fire and consume their sacrifice. They started in early morning, they cried and they prayed and they prayed. Then they began to cut themselves with latchets and to pay penance to get Baal to answer by fire. Elijah began to make fun of them. And said, hey, maybe your God's out to lunch or maybe he's making a visit someplace. Just making mock and mocking fun. And they got all done and there was no fire. Then Elijah took his sacrifice, rebuilt the altar of God and took 12 stones and set about it. He cut the sacrifice in pieces and laid it on the altar. Notice the extreme that Elijah went to. And the Bible says, And he put the wood in order, verse 33, And cut the bullock in pieces, And laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water. The most precious and scarce commodity In a three-year drought is Water. Elijah said, do you really mean business? Do you want to see God do something great? And if you do, Israel, it's going to cost you something. Water. They would rather give an oil at a dollar and a half a gallon or four dollars a gallon than water because there was no water. Animals were dying. Grass was dead. No vegetation. Obaniah in the same chapter sent by Ahab to see if they could find any grass to feed their animals. No grass. Because there's no water. And he said, if you want to see something spectacular, go get four barrels of water. Are you listening? And pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. They did it, and he said, do it the second time. That's eight barrels of water. You say, how big are barrels? I have no idea. But if it had been a bucket, they'd have said a bucket. So a barrel is bigger than a bucket. Can anybody say amen? You say, is it a big barrel or a little barrel? Well, if it's a little barrel, then he said a big bucket. (laughs) Do it again, he said, that's eight. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the evening offering, or the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet had come to a crossroads. Is this going to work or not? When I have everybody's head bowed and we're praying, should I just slip out of here so that I don't get embarrassed? Have you ever been at a crossroads? Have you ever been someplace where you couldn't figure it out and could not work it out, could not scheme it out, could not plan it out, it just depended on the supernatural taking place. Yes, I don't know if you know it or not, but your church is there right now. But it's not the first time your church has been at a crossroads. Now, one disadvantage of going to at a, getting to a crossroads... Is some people might like to go in the other direction. Some might not want to take the rough and rocky road. Some might want to take the road of of no no sacrifice. No doubt, no fear. Some folk would just like to. Keep it smooth and easy. Preacher. You ought not go into debt. Preacher. We ought to save money. And pay it all off. As we go. Well how much would you like. To donate to that. Four or five thousand. Ten thousand. Twenty thousand. How about. 500,000. But preacher, I don't see the wisdom in it. See, I've got folks traveling with me that don't understand why we ought to pour all that water on there. Why waste the water? Why take the chance? If this don't work, we'd still have 12 barrels of water. What if this don't work? We can always make lemonade out of the water. How's this thing gonna work? We're at a crossroads. The sacrifice is on the altar. The ditches are full of water. This one didn't work. 850, the ecumenical movement, the majority can't get it done. Elijah's by himself, just him and that little old sacrifice laying on the altar and water running everywhere. This looks like a lost cause. Hello? I must be ringing some of you folks' doorbell. Where's the wisdom and bar and... 2.4 million dollars. Where's the wisdom in that? We're full. We don't have any room. Where's the wisdom in staying like we are? A preacher, I just don't believe going in debt. Well, I do. You want to compare success stories? Amen, reverend. Elijah, this ain't going to work. I mean, you just saw 850 guys fail. I mean, you just saw the religious movement of your day. I mean, here you are, the lone, fundamental, independent Baptist in town. You're one of them King James, narrow individuals. It ain't going to work. 850 already failed. We're at a crossroads. Verse 37 is what God has used to speak to my heart. Elijah began to pray. And Elijah had a very short prayer. Verse 38, he says, notice our verse 36. And it came to pass... At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou has turned their heart back again and the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust And licked up the water that was in the trench and all of God's people said, wow, amen. Amen. At a crossroads. Notice, if you would please, Elijah prayed and he prayed in verse 37, And he prayed for three things. And I think any time you come to a crossroad, you'll have to to get in on this prayer if you want to see something really to happen. There's a lot of folks in our church having family problems. If they had called God instead of me, it would work out a whole lot better. Uh, You know, I'm not the kingpin of all kingpins that knows how to keep a woman happy. Look at Ginger, half time she's mad at me. I mean, I don't work at it. She just, you know, we just get along mad with one another pretty good. But in the crossroads of our life, and in the crossroads of your church, we need to be a people of prayer. We do not need to take anything for granted that we can accomplish any permanent, spiritual, lasting thing without going to God and asking God to make it a permanent thing. Notice, if you put, would please, three things Elijah prayed for. I want to show you something. First of all, he prayed, Lord, hear me. Lord, I, I, I'm desperate. To, there's 850 ecumenical Dr. Food dunks and Dr. Ain't Never Done It's over here. And we're going to be the laughing stock of all of Israel if you do not do something now. Do you think that this town and this county and this state and the whole world needs a fundamental independent Baptist church that believes in soul winning and the King James Bible and the second coming of Christ. Do you believe there's a place for a church like that? Yes. I do too. Amen. I believe there's a place. I believe there should be a place for sinners, wide and handsome, could come and be welcome at this place. I believe there ought to be a place for little boys and girls. I believe there ought to be a place for adults and moms and dads. I just believe they ought to come and be felt, uh, be made to feel welcome and to uh, have a place that they can call their place to serve God. Amen. Amen. I just believe that when I read this prayer, that should be our prayer. Lord, I'm just not now. I'll lay me down to sleep. And thank you for the beans and the enchiladas and uh, the uh, chili that the kids ate up that I wanted after the church service tonight. And the bread, homemade bread that they devoured while I sat there and saw it disappearing. I'm not talking about, dear God, thank you for the beans. And dear God, now lay me down to sleep. I'm saying, dear God, Listen to us now. Now, dear God, he said in verse 37, hear me, oh Lord, hear me. Ever been there? Why is it when our people find somebody in trouble, they call me like I'm the Pope. And I am Mr. Bell, everybody out. My name is not Jehovah Jireh. It's Gene. Quit telling them I am Gene, the one who shall supply. That's God's business. Can you hear me? Quit sicking everybody on me that needs something. What's wrong with your wallet? Is your God dead? Can't you pray? Now that we got that straightened out, I've had 10 calls this week about people who sold something, stole something, or need me to bring something by the jail or want me to bail somebody out of jail. Or pay somebody's rent. Or buy somebody some drawers. You buy drawers. You go into the repo business. I am not in the repossession business. I am not in loaning business. I am not Freddy Freeloader. I am not Jehovah Jireh. I'm a pastor of a church and my business is preaching the word to you. That is not in the notes. That was free. And if you need somebody to counsel with you because of what I just said, call Jim. He is the official complaint department in our church. And he comes to me and says, Preacher, I've heard this. I'll say, (laughs) (laughs) But I thank God that when we really, really, really need something that we cannot do ourselves, and when he does it, we cannot explain it or take credit for it, we need to get serious. And say, Dear God, hear me. Hear me now. Our church needs to get there. Second, he asked, Lord, would you show up that your people? Would know that you are God. Yeah. This people may know. That thou art. The Lord God. It's easy to forget. In in such an economically. Mm -hmm. Blessed society. You see, we have a lot of luxuries that we have grown to think that they are necessities. Amen. 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 And we are, on a whole, financially affluent. The poorest person in this church would be rich in other countries. Just by the vehicle you drive the place you live, the clothes you wear, you would be affluent in a lot of societies. And in an affluent society in which we get a paycheck every week that is sufficient for all of our needs, necessities, and desires, when do we need to ask God for anything? When have you talked to God other than at the table or at night time? When have you been in the valley of decision, where that all of society, like Elijah, and he alone is standing before an altar, drowned in water, and he alone? Is standing there asking God to show himself to be God. I think we need a God that could do something that you, me, or no one else. Would be able to explain. This church. Is such a thing. I don't know if you know it or not. But there's been a lot of crossroads in our church. And some of those crossroads. The folks who faced the roads with me are no longer here. They they're gone. The ones who voted that we sell a million 300,000 dollars worth of bonds are no longer helping us pay them. But they're drawing interest on what we're paying. How does that settle with you? We're not good enough for them to go here. But we're good enough for them to collect interest off of our, their investment in this place. I guess probably I should have asked them if I could have built this building since they're not here to help pay for it. How lonely do you think Elijah must have felt? Why would he do such a dumb thing and be the only one That was waiting on God. Listening to God. Willing to do what God wanted done. Regardless. What all Israel might have thought. Have you ever been at a crossroads? What did you do? At your crossroads? Who did you call? May I suggest to you that Joshua Baptist Church is at a crossroads. And what we need is not money. What God needs is people who are sold out for the cause of Christ. What we need tonight are folks who will devote themselves come rain, shine, hell or high water, if I don't preach like they want me to preach, if I don't cross the dots and the T's and the I's like I they want me to, that they're in for the long run Amen. and not just for the gravy. Amen. If you're going to invest your money and leave, I just assume you leave now. We don't need your money. Let somebody else pay you an interest. Let somebody else pay an increase on your financial investment. We're at a crossroads. Not the first time we've been here. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you were with us. In the storefront, we was running about a hundred. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you with us. But I knew who went to the bank and borrowed a quarter of a million dollars. Not on property because we owed $50,000 on the property we'd bought. Now what I did is went to the bank and borrowed a quarter of a million dollars plus the 50000 on the land that we just bought to buy property to build our first building. Quarter of a million dollars unsecured other than a piece of property we bought for 50000 that we owed 45000 on. How do you do that? You got to be slick. No. God, listen and please show up. I didn't impress the bankers. Our banking practices for 11 months impressed the bankers. Because in 11 months, our infant church had saved $22,000 And we'd put it in regularly. And our banking practices was above board. And the committee looked and said, we'll loan that crowd $220,000 any time. How would you like to put your name on the dotted line for a quarter million dollars with a bunch of fickle Baptists? And if they get mad, they can leave. If they don't get mad, they probably won't tithe. And if they have to go to the ball game, they'll keep their money and not make it up. And if you preach on tithe and you'll make a man, they'll leave. You want to do that? Well, we did it. That would be a crossroad to a fellow who ain't never been a quarter million dollars in debt before. You see, that happened in nineteen hundred and eighty-three. Right way, nineteen hundred eighty-three. I walked into town with two coon dogs and a pickup truck, and now I'm quarter of a million dollars in debt. You say, "Not you?" No, I know that. But my name's on the deal, and Amen. you can leave, and I can't. And they did, and they will. And they shall. Come on, say amen. Amen. Because you don't feel the obligation. But somebody has got to be responsible. Amen. Come on. You know, all you got to do is Relieve your responsibility. Join a church of your choice. Somebody's still got to pay the bills. Somebody still got to do what's right. Amen. $220,000. Preacher, that's not very much. You know what was amazing to me? Is we went to the bank and borrowed the money, and our folks built the building in six months. We built it. Six months. You know why? Because we had a pioneer spirit. You know why? We had a, we had a will to work. Oh, what fun we had building that building. <laughs> you remember that? It must have been close to Halloween because we had a Halloween uh, haunted house in that thing. You remember that? We just had, to, had to, the, the framing up and we just decided to have a Halloween party. You remember that, Brother Jim? Remember Brother Alvin with that chainsaw with no blade on it? Come crying out of them rooms and screaming and yelling. And that that chainsaw. But I tell you, about half the folk died of fright that night. We worked and we worked. Some folks who couldn't work, they wanted to work. One night I went to the building after everybody else was gone. Old, old man that could not hardly walk was laying on his side, scooting around the floor of the building, picking up short pieces of wood and throw them in a wheelbarrow. He couldn't walk, he just Pull himself along on his side. Brother Gregory, what are you doing? He said, Just what I can. Amen. Amen. Just what I can. It's a small thing for me to borrow a quarter of a million dollars. Amen. If somebody loves the church that much, Amen. they'll crawl around on their hands and knees after everybody else is gone. That's right. Just picking up and working and doing for that. Amen. This church has a great history has a great legacy. But we've come to another crossroads. We got tired of paying the bank. It's ridiculous interest. My wife and I were looking one day. We would paying $250 a month on a $220,000 note. We'd paid it for about three years. And I called them and asked them what the principal was. They said 215000 Paying all interest. So I decided that maybe we ought to sell church bonds. That way we could redeem as much principal as we wanted. Crossroad number one is trying to get our church who has been burnt on church bonds, who has been disappointed on church bonds, who invested in church bonds, and were at the time when we issued our bonds holding bonds that church would not pay. How would you like to sell a family on buying some church bonds if they got church bonds in their portfolio that would not pay? Good people, honest people, God loving people, pillars in our church. Preacher, I don't think we ought to go church bonds. They just don't. They've had a bad experience with church bonds. Crossroad, how would you? salvage those people and talk them in to buying some more church bonds. You don't do that. God has to do that. You've got to ask God to do that. You've got to, when, when, it work, when it goes to the impossible, you've got to ask God to do it because we don't work in the realm of impossibilities. So I let our church at a crossroads and we issued 300 And $72,000 worth of church bonds. Paid all the mortgages off at the bank. And the first six months we redeemed $16,000 worth of principal. The next six months, $16,000 worth of principal. The next six months, $16,000 worth of principal. Hey, wait a minute. For three years we only paid $3,000 worth of principal. Crossroad number two. When I led our church into a bond program in an area where bond programs had defaulted, and members who helped defaulted church bonds, I had to sell them on buying our church bonds. Crossroads number two. Then somebody said, We need a gym. All of our property is mortgaged. We're broke. How do you build a gym when you're broke? If all your properties are mortgaged. Mr. Saylor's down at the bank. Said, Gene, our preacher. I can't loan you money on mortgage property. I said, why? He said, the regulators won't let me. I went to Don Stanley, another banker. I said, Don, I need to borrow $100,000 on mortgage property. He said, I can't do that. I said, let me ask you, could I do this? Could I talk my folk into taking the money out of your bank in their CDs that you're paying 7% and I'll pay them 8 Would that work if I tell the people in your bank to take the money out of your bank, loan it to me for 8%? He said, that won't work. Uh, do we have a gym? crossroad number 2 3 what you do is you call the bank and said you need some creative banking that means the bank like ball game had just started and I'm at crossroad number 2 crossroad number 3 is when I presented to this church We need to build a building on property that we have that I paid too much for. After all, I paid $17,500 an acre for this property right here. Six acres. $17,500. A good friend of mine, a trustee of our church, chewed me out. Did everything but cuss me. Because I was not doing what was right when I did this. Well, I know that. But a few years later, we leased it to gas for 25,000 acres. Hope Joe Jones is listening tonight. We're encompassed with a greater cloud of witnesses. I hope Joe looked down and said, Preacher, I'm sorry. We saved $500,000 had it in the bank we need a million dollars to build this building Billy drank a lot of Dr. Peppers it ran over three hundred thousand dollars so we had to issue another three hundred thousand and we issued a million three and put five with it and built this building for a million eight this is all we owe on this building, about two hundred thousand dollars, probably our net worth is in excess to eight plus million plus a two million dollar building that's going to be built and we'll be two million six hundred thousand in debt. Now what I want you to do is realize. We're not going to be able to accomplish this without God's help. Thirdly, Elijah said, Now what's this? And that thou hast turned their heart back again. Notice that Elijah did not pray. That the people would turn back to him. Elijah prayed that you might know he turned your heart back to him. In the midst of this rush, rush society in which we're in. In this get up, go to work, come back, lay down, go to work, get up, come back raise a family, keep everything going, pay everything, do this in this busy, 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 busy society. I'd like for God to turn our hearts back to him, but to let us know that he is the one that's doing it. Would you like that? would you quit taking credit for it if you knew he was the one that was doing it? Wouldn't it be something, Brother Jim, if we pastored a bunch of people whose heart they knew that God had turned their heart back to him? And at this crossroads, we need for God to hear us. We need to know that he is God. And we need to realize that he is, is the one who's turning our hearts back to Him. I believe this city needs a church like this. I do not believe this city needs another stagnant, victimized kind of people that says, it can't be done because we're too old-fashioned. I think we need to be visionary and not victims. I go to so many churches, they are victim of circumstances beyond their control. They're not growing because they're in a bad location. And they're not growing because it's not God's will for them to grow. And they're not really excited because they're just too old to get excited. I get so tired of being around people and churches that are victims. Victims of society. Victims of their family, victims of the situation, victim because a dog bit them, victim because somebody got fleas and one of them got on them. No, sir, this church should be visionary and not victims. But you're looking at a victor, not a victim. You're looking at a winner, not a loser. You're looking at a finisher and not a quitter. We need God to show up. And we need to let God be God. And what we need to do at this crossroads, two million dollars, that is nothing compared to when I rented the first building because I had nobody to pay it. $600 is a big monthly payment on a church when you don't have a job. No income. A house payment, a wife, three coon dogs. We've got the financial base to pay for the two point four million. I didn't have it to pay the first six hundred a month. But if the folks hadn't started tithing, I'd have started running. hello two million is nothing compared to a million three when your offerings are ten thousand compared to twenty plus thousand a week won't we just let God be God won't we learn to learn to pray Lord, show up around here. Show yourself to be mighty. They'll drive by our church and say, "All at Wolfenburger, it's a bunch of rednecks and coon hunters." There, that's what they've been saying for years. John, you got a coon dog? No, sir. That puts you in the other category then. <laughs> you know, I never wanted to call Mary a redneck, but I don't think Billy has any coon dogs, right? You know what, folks, have been saying about our church? All Wolfenbart has got down there is a bunch of rednecks and coon hunters. We started building buildings, and then it was, well, Wolfenbart's got three or four millionaires. That's who's doing it. I'd like to find a millionaire redneck with a coon dog, <laughs> I'd go hunting with him. <laughs> His might be a tree of coon. Mine ain't. You know what I think? I think if most folk can't explain it. They're certainly not going to give God any credit. Amen. But we will. Amen. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. And let's us. At this crossroads. Be visionary. And not victims. That's why I love Brother Jim. I went by his office the other day and after I woke him up. <laughs> he said, I want to broaden the base. I said, you're doing pretty good, Jim. <laughs> I said, would you broaden mine a little bit? Mine's going, so, going south. He said, well, I want to broaden the base. He said, I'd like to have 350 on buses on a certain Sunday. Preacher, if be all right, I'd like to rent a skating rink and it's going to cost X amount of money. And Preacher, I, I, I just think we need to get some more prospects for the buses and all the bus kids, they've got parents. and let, Preacher, I just like to broaden the base. I, I kind of like that kind of like that terminology on it. Just kind of like to broaden the base. Do you, you like, I like to broaden the base. This morning, I don't know if you know it, but your sanctuary is almost full. Balcony balcony is filling up. We already done that once down yonder. Remember that? We started and blocked the balcony off. You remember that? Then it got full. Then we opened the balcony. It got full. Then we had to go to three services and they got full. Then we bought this one, built this one, and now it's getting full. But all the Sunday school space is already full. We need to start more adult classes. We have no adult classrooms. Brother Jim wants to run three, four hundred on buses. We don't have room for three or four hundred on buses. You say, who's going to pay the bills? God. They tell me all over the country, bus kids don't pay, pay the bills. I said, no one does your driving crowd. That's why he got me here to raise money for you. I don't pay the bills. You don't pay the bills. God pays the bills. God's been faithful to pay the bills. You said, well, I'll just quit tithing and let God do it. Have at it, Leroy. Yeah. See how that game works over at your house. Yeah. Might as well buy a pistol, play Russian roulette with six bullets in it yeah. as to put God on the, on the shelf. Yeah. We need to be visionary, not victims. Yeah. Amen. You agree with that? Will you do that for me? Let's us visionize. Let's you and I look at this city that needs to be run to Christ. Uh, Look at all uh, the county that needs to be run to Christ. Uh, I wouldn't mind us running a hundred buses. You say, Lord, where would we get the drivers? Well, we'd hire them. We'd hire them. I close. We must make eternal investments. And not temporal investments. Now, what better way to invest in eternity and get a return? Would you tell me? You know why this building's possible? Because you bought church bonds. Because you bought church bonds. My wife didn't know it. But when we sold the first million dollars worth of bonds. I signed a note at the bank for $40,000. For folks credit that would not work. And our folks went to the bank and borrowed money and bought bonds. And because they paid timely. I helped them get their credit straightened back out again. And they made interest while they were doing it. Wow. Now my wife won't speak to me all night. (laughs) Investing in eternity. How many think you've been saved, surrendered, called to preach? baptized in this building did you buy any bonds they went to your account couldn't do it without that I have two men testimony as I close we went dove hunting recently we went to a ex-member's ranch he owns 12,000 acres out in Haskell. Next time you walk on that tile, he's the guy that gave all that tile to our church and paid for having it put in. I don't know how much it would cost. Billy would have sewn several thousand dollars all the tile in the building. He bought and had paid his men to put it in. I think he bought like a hundred thousand dollars worth of our bond. He said the other day, the only thing I hate about knowing you is I didn't buy more of those church bonds." Another dear friend. I sat in his house before he went to heaven. A close, close friend. He's the kind of guy, I'll just tell you like it is. If your nose is on crooked, he'll say, you need to straighten your nose out. If your breath smells, he'll here, gargle in this. He just told you like it was. I like that kind of guy. Billy's heard him say several times, we sit on the finance committee. And I'd tell the finance committee, guys, you want to change anything? You businessmen, do you want to change anything to make it a better, smoother operation? And that's always been my plea to the advisors and to the men who's on my board. I will listen to them. This dear friend says, Preacher, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I sat in his house just talking to him. Talking about what friends we'd been over the years and all the trips we'd taken and all the good times we'd had. He said, You know, there's one thing I hate about you. I said, Here it comes. He said, I just hate you because you didn't talk me into buying more of them church bonds. That is an eternal investment, not temporal. You're at a crossroads. But thank God we, we need faith for the crossroads. Visionary faith, eternal faith.